comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Listening to Fear, the Walking Dead TV podcast. This is for season two, episode ten, entitled "Do Not Disturb." This is episode one seventy four. I am your host, Craig Demanda. Join with me this evening is Richard Chub Toad Sheldon. What's going on, sir? Not much. Um, and they failed because they were very disturbed in this episode. There, there was some disturbing things that happened, and you're right. They, they, they even the walkers seemed a bit disturbed, huh? Yeah, it 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 was a um, interesting episode. It's one of, it's one that I had to really think on uh, as far as how I felt about it. So yeah. now the funny thing is, is that um, you know it's only me and you tonight, by the way, which is fine because we can. I mean, we are like podcast legends between you and me, right? So we can hold this thing up. But sure. I mean, uh, a lot of the hosts, a lot of the fans on the Facebook page, they were just like lamenting. This episode, like, oh, my God, it's going to be all about Travis and Chris, and I can't stand it. I'm not going to watch it. I just listen to the podcast, and I'm going to watch the episode, just listen to you guys talk about it. So it's like, thankfully, there was the A and B story, kind of like we had last week Mm -hmm. in this episode, and it kept the action and the plot kind of moving. So it wasn't just a Chris and Travis episode. It was a little bit more than that. Well, I think that, and you know, we were talking about it last week. I was like, you know, they haven't quite given us the goals, and that's the piece that's missing. I still kind of feel that, but now I've kind of figured it out based on what you said last week, and then after watching this episode and thinking back on it, and and the thing is, is this is this is a a large part of why The Walking Dead proper works is because. You know, they'll occasionally have this story where they cram or story uh, episode where they just cram a whole bunch of characters in and there's just a whole bunch that goes on all at once. Um, And and usually they get away with it because they only do it so often. You know, the rest of the time we have an A and B. Sometimes some episodes you get an A, B and a C. Right. But they balance the edit between them to where you're not bored with a sto- any one of the storylines. Because, you know, I wonder if we were to go back and just put everything linear, you know, not back and forth, but we watched, you know, one plot line play completely out straight through without 
jumping back and forth and then watch the other one, I bet we'd feel a lot different about them because they'd probably get a little boring in spots. Yeah, even but, even the hotel stuff. Like, all right, so she scales out the window. She goes down the elevator. We've seen all that before, right? It's like it's nothing new there. But you're right because they intercut it with the Chris and Travis story. It kind of made it interesting somewhat. Yep. There yeah. were some questionable choices of the way some of the elements in certain scenes and some of the way certain scenes played out as far as some things just didn't make sense in the way that they happened. So for that, I have some issues and we'll get to those when we get to them. But um, they definitely were able to keep the interest in my mind at, at, at a level to where I never felt bored. I felt annoyed a few times, but not bored. Well, listen, I, I guess that's pretty good for this show, right? I mean, that's actually not so bad in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, I, I would much rather be annoyed <laughs> than bored. I mean, bored <laughs> means, and seriously, you know, and I, I joke about this, but ser- in all seriousness, there have been a lot of episodes of this show that I just, from the moment it starts till the moment it ends, I'm just I feel like it's just, when is it going to be over? <laughs> you know, because, and not just because it might be a bad episode, but because it's boring. I'm just bored. Like, certain scenes seem to go on too long and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Last week and this week, they, and especially this week, they got the edit just right to where, just as I was starting to reach my peak of annoyance in, with Chris in a scene, they cut over to the other storyline. And just when I was getting ready to get to my peak of annoyance with shit that does not make any sense, they cut back over to the Chris and, and Travis stuff. So just when I was fixing to be pissed or annoyed at the episode, it it switched and I was okay. And if you, yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you notice towards the end, because I watched this twice, well, it's like two and a half times already to take the notes for this. Towards the end, those edits were really quick. I mean, they were bouncing back and forth within the same minute. Yeah. Um, and, they, and, yeah. and they did really, really good there because in in editing in that that manner, I mean, you can you can overdo it and really jerk the audience's mind too much to where they just they they're, they're done because they just they just can't keep up with it, you know. Um, but they did it just right. They did. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. Agreed. So I guess they're making up for, for some poor, I don't know if you want to call it poor writing, but weak writing, weak characters with some nice technical edits. I mean, it's working. Well, I, I like it. You you said who wrote and who directed. Do you have the name of who edited this episode? No, I don't have that. It's directed by Michael McDonough, written by Lauren Signorio. Signorino, excuse me. Uh, I don't have the edited by, although I could probably pull that up. Because they did a really good job. With this episode, as yeah. far as it goes, so, no, I agree. Even so, a lot of the filters, because like last week, and especially some of last or the first half of this season, some of the darker and fight and quick fight action scenes, they really use some you know low level filters or some right. filters that just blurred a little too much and things like that. So it's not just the A B plot line; it's also the filters, the coloring corrections, all that. So everything that was done in this edit, I very good edit job. Yeah, so let's do that. I mean, I agree. Let's jump right into right to the cold open. We flash back to the wedding happening in the resort, uh, and this is the wedding, I guess, presumably happening when that happened in the room that they stumbled into last episode. Oscar, didn't he 
the cake. The cake was not eaten yet because they didn't. They were just doing the dancing. They didn't even get to the cake part yet, right? They had the first dance and all that. You got to eat the cake before <laughs> you do the dancing. No, no, I think – is that how it goes? I'm not a big wedding aficionado. Don't you do the – I don't know. All I'm knowing is that any ceremony where there is cake involved, <laughs> you start with the cake. You start with – okay, that's that's in your world. I think in, in most yep. weddings, you do. there's a certain order of things, but that's fine. In, in Chubb's world, you can take it any way you want. Cake first. So Oscar, who is the groom, and Jessica, who is the bride, are, are, are talking and how much they love each other. Uh, we see Elena, the manager, watching carefully over the festivities. And then, again, the bride and groom take their first dance. It's, it's a waltz. Uh, the, the the bride's father, his name is Mr. Charles Stowe, the father of the bride, takes over the dance, you know, steps in, which is, which is very nice. Uh, uh, Elena asks Mrs. Stowe, if everything is okay, as she notices that, that she's a bit tense and her and the mister were kind of talking a little bit there. And Mrs. Stowe tells Elena that they don't like what they're hearing in the news about the outbreak and that they're they're going to end this thing pretty soon. The guests will be departing soon. And Elena assures them that, please, you know, the resort is very safe and you're, you're secure here and everything is fine. But uh, her name is Eileen, actually, the Mrs. Eileen uh, insists that they must leave uh, and not get trapped on the wrong side of the border. So it's not just the hotel they're concerned about, so that they're in Mexico and they don't want to be stuck there because obviously these are Americans. Did she have one leg a little shorter than the other? I did not notice that. Why is that like a Seinfeld reference or something, or what was that? Well, no, her name's Eileen. I'm just. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because she used to be like, was she in Seinfeld? This girl, this actress, and uh, a couple other things. She, the... she was. I think so. I, don't know. I, I have she... to look. Yeah, okay. I don't know. <laughs> She's been in a lot of stuff. Let's put it that way. Oh, just making a cheesy, you know, old joke. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Eileen, I get it. Eileen. Oh, All right. That's fine. So Elena um, tells her ponytail-toting nephew, Hector, to prepare to bring the guests' vehicles around because they're going to be leaving. And then Mr. Stowe is dancing the waltz with his daughter, but then he then collapses of an apparent, obviously, heart attack or stroke or something. He just he collapses. Chaos ensues. Elena directs Hector to find a doctor, and she tries to use her cell phone, but the network is down. So we hear the beep, 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 like you can't get a connection, the network is down type of sound. Um, so, yeah. So so here here's my first problem. Let's let's refer to the, the um, hotel as Plotline A. Okay. Because right? mm-hmm. I have a lot of issues with Plotline A. All right. And this is my first issue with plot line A. All right. Early in early in Walking Dead proper, it was mentioned, you know, it seemed to take like somewhere between six and eight hours for people well, to start turning. Now, it was Dr. Me. Jenner. And I think he said somewhere between oh, what did he say? Like 10 well, minutes and eight hours or something like that. Like there was a range. You're right. Yeah, yes. But. But even even with I'm talking earlier before we get to the CDC, but okay. I mean it's it's mentioned it's like six to eight hours is what everybody's kind of seen and right. stuff like that. And then there's Jim, you know, they followed his storyline just like it was in the comic. Yeah, and you know it was a good half a day, if not more, before he turned. Well, did we ever see Jim turn? Didn't they kind of leave him well, against well, the tree? Well, they okay. left him against the tree, but it was right. presumed. I mean, based on his symptoms and the way he was, it was pretty obvious he was close. Okay, right. but but the but 
But this is my issue. Even once they did get to Jenner and the CDC, and he said, and it was something like 10, 15 minutes, something like that. So like eight hours. It was was a range he gave. Right. Yeah, right. This dude has a heart attack. (laughs) His his body has not even started to get cold yet. Not even. Not even the slightest bit. And he's turned and is ripping his daughter's face off. (laughs) I mean, I understand for certain scenes we want to have certain dramatic moments with zombies and things like that, you know. And that was a great moment. But why not have him be, you know, scratched or infected somehow and then he just turns? Why have him die of the heart attack and boom, he's a zombie? I mean, well, seriously, I mean, he still was within the time frame that paramedics could come over and restart the heart, okay, try to save him. So you're telling me he's already turning to his, I, I don't know, I just, I had a problem with that. And, you know, and it, 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 the, 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 the world, the lore did it to itself. You know, my problem, it created the problem because it, it made it unrealistic that they would just turn like that. They could have fixed all this with an edit. That's the funny thing. Like, if they just would have edited it a little differently and, yeah. like, not even been in the same song, but, okay, just left the scene, then came back maybe 20 minutes later, and then the, the band is not playing. You know, it's like they, they made it like the song is still playing, and the guy's on the floor, he dies, and then, and then the next minute he's biting his, his, his daughter's cheek. Not even the next minute. I'm right. talking, we're talking seconds here, man. That's crazy. I mean, and, the, and yeah. I, I just, and, he, and the thing is, it's like you said, they could have fixed it with the edit, but they could have just fixed it with make his father just like Jim was in that season one, make him sick, and then, you know, all of a sudden he'll just die in turn. But even so, the, the even the ones that die from being bit or scratched, they have to be dead for a little while before they turn. At least according to the original Walking Dead, there was a there was at yeah. least an hour. Like even when Shane got stabbed, right? It took about an hour for him to turn and you know, um we can go through all of them. All right, remember this is a good example. It, remember it, Milton Mammoth oh, on the floor yeah. with, with, with with Andrea? Remember? Oh, he, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so she's trying to get out of the handcuffs while he's slowly dying and then he about an hour later then he or you know, we, we don't know how long exactly, but he turns after after a it time. definitely wasn't within the same minute he died. Correct. Yeah, his breathing stopped, and then there was at least there was a break in time, right? Even all right. Getting back to Woodbury too. Remember the old man they had strapped to the bed? They wanted to study him and watch when he died and when he turned and all that. There was a period of time. It was maybe like you know a good half hour. It seemed like there there was some some time. You get a little bit of time. But this was just and, like, and I wow. don't want to have people on the Facebook sitting there and going, come on, Chub Toad, you know, you know, it's a different show and all that. No, it's still the same world, though. It is it's the same still world. The same lore. Right. They still need to follow the same rules. And and I don't care. Let's take the Walking Dead world universe rules out of it. Let's just talk about general horror story horror genre zombie storytelling nobody turns into a zombie the second they die well hold on now if you go to like world war z see i I didn't which i didn't like that much that was they kind of went pretty quick right like that was a quick turn that was more of a just like um the 28 days later or whatever it was uh, just just like the resident evil and stuff that's all genetically created zombieism. I'm talking about your standard people die and turn into zombies. Yeah, Romero, you Romero-esque, uh, Romero, Romero uh, right. 
it it's just it's ridiculous to the like within the same minute they turn. I mean, let's give it within maybe five ten minutes. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just it to me it took me out of the story a little bit because it made me stop to question how is he turning already. There needs to be death. Some some pause in between and then reanimation, and it needs to be a, a legitimate type of pause, right? Yeah. You saw there at the CDC in the first season of The Walking Dead, you saw that video they had of the brain dying, of the person dying, right. and then the brain. So the, the brain restarting with that little crazy virus brain, thing, whatever. All yeah. The brain activity had to completely cease. That means True. all all electric. electric synapses all that stuff that's going on has to stop when you die you you're not your body isn't done it doesn't just completely you know right things There's, shut things takes a few shut, minutes for everything to shut down right yeah that's you true. know i mean unless you're blown to smithereens or something like that but if you just die die i mean you know the heart stops the blood isn't going anywhere but you know it's still warm it's got to cool down there's still you know nerve stuff going on there's firing know? and things sure right yeah and, and again i don't want to get all scientific and go and you know and talk but again i just to me even to uh the layman non-usual zombie fan somebody turning into a monster the second they die just seems a bit off it, it does it, it did to me too i put a note of it in here i mean it was definitely a, a little bit of a cheat from where the writers are, are, are sitting Maybe the writers haven't even watched The Walking Dead. Maybe they, they've been told not to watch The Walking Dead. Maybe they're trying to, you know, take this from a different uh, yeah, angle. But they still have to stick within the same rules. The I agree head, with you. The, the showrunner or the executive producers, even if they did that, which I doubt they did, but even if they did that, you know, don't don't have watched this and don't refer to that and everything else. The damn executive producers and stuff, Robert Kirkman himself, somebody would stop it at some point and say that doesn't fit in this universe. Right. And again, this all could have been solved with a quick edit where you, you or some time had lapsed right. and the guy's still laying there on the ground. Craig, right. Yeah. Here's the thing. All right. Any television show, any film, any piece of art, there can be a little slip. There can be something that's messed up, whatever. True. Forgive it and move on. So I did. Now, I'm going to have more problems with the A storyline, as we're calling it, but I'll get to those in a bit. It's it's all these little pieces of this storyline that are just wrong that add up to just it ticking me off. But okay. anyway. Well, let's, let's just plow right through it then. So yep. um, I, Eileen, again, the, the, the bride's mother, begs Elena to help them, help us. You know, that her the husband's dead or reanimated at this point. The daughter's screaming. But she and Hector, Elena and Hector, simply walk out of the ballroom and lock the guests inside. And then we hear banging and screaming from the inside, which, all right, this also brought up a bit of a logic point. It, it, there's no emergency exits in this place. I know it's Mexico and all, but I mean, most modern buildings have more than one way out of a ballroom, right? I mean, there, that's just... there were windows <laughs> in that room. Just saying. There, there yeah. had to have been other doors because that was the main doors into the room. Where's right. the doors to the kitchen and all that other stuff? <laughs> I, I, I'll that, suspend that, though. I'll suspend that. In this well, case, but, it's Mexico. But, you know, who knows, but, right? Yeah, you brought, but this was my point number two of issues with the – of first of all, 
You're telling me every single guest was in that room. Somebody didn't slip out to go smoke a joint behind the church or, you know, <laughs> something. Somebody did, you know, every single one of them to where that they didn't come back, you know, and be like, bitch, let my family out. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We don't see that, though. I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a, there's a time jump here. So we, we all we see is the act of Elena locking and sealing these people's fate, so to speak. And, and, and she has to carry that around with her. And I guess that was the whole point of showing that. That scene. I mean, I get it. I understand what they were trying to do. It's just uh, people can sneak across our border without being seen. They can't get through <laughs> unlocking a hotel door. Come on. <laughs> I don't want the emails. I already know. It's just a joke. Chump Toad Zero One at, what was it? at Yahoo. There you go, right? At, at Gmail. Gmail, excuse me. I, there think, you go. I think I do have it on Yahoo, too. <laughs> Good. Send, send a hate mail to Yahoo. You'll never read it. Yeah, because I haven't been in that mailbox in about a decade <laughs> <laughs> so this is your geocities account perfect yeah yeah <laughs> so um then we see the credits and it's not the standard screech that we usually get and again i'm taking note of this because some episodes use the screech and some episodes don't this is the alternate tone this time it's kind of an alternate screech it's not the same one it's a little bit different and it, it's just fine and, it, and you're right it did play just fine with what the action just happened so they kind of wove it in there nicely Cut to the next story. We see Travis and Chris on a dirt road. They're walking. Travis is definitely hurt. Uh, his feet are really in bad shape. They're cut up for when he decides to run into the into the desert looking for his son. They see a car in the distance, just parked, you know, abandoned. And Travis breaks in and attempts to hotwire the car. Chris then sees like a taqueria in the distance and insists on checking it out by himself. Of course, Travis objects, saying, no, you should stick together. Hang on. You should learn how to hotwire a car with me. But Chris pouts and whines and eventually gets his way and does what he wants anyway and goes to explore the the uh, the, the taco stand. There's a line that most sons don't expect to hear from their father in a wisdom-giving moment of, <laughs> I, you need to learn how to hotwire a car. It's funny. He didn't, he didn't actually say that. He just said, you need to learn how to do this or something. Well, yeah, 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 that's what he said. Yeah, yeah but, I'm, I'm still, but, but in a world where the dead walk the earth... <laughs> And there's mm-hmm. no fucking hell. That, <laughs> that's a good point. All rules are out the window. <laughs> it just shows. That's right. Yeah, that's very. That's actually really, really funny. So uh, inside the taqueria, Chris sees a picture of the two owners on the wall. He notes it right away: a husband and wife, and presumably they're the owners. And on the floor inside the store are those two dead from bullet shot, you know, gunshots to the head. He, Chris notices a can of beans and some water, bottled water, on the counter, and he starts to put them inside his little knapsack when he hears voices coming from the kitchen. And it sounds like a pair of dudes, pair of guys, having a discussion on what to do next. Do they go into town and stock up, or they head for the hills and shack up, or whatever? Then some hungry walkers come into the taco store. I guess they, they were hungry. They wanted some tacos, right? They aren't here to try the enchiladas, though. They're here to get some, get some, get some flesh. Chris dispatches one of them with a crowbar into the jaw, you know, kind of underneath into the skull. Nice little move there and takes him out quick. And then suddenly one of the dudes from the kitchen appears and is almost bitten by a second walker. But Chris saves him by sticking him through the back of the head. The, the walker Chris looks like a total badass in this scene. This is the one time in, so far in this entire series where I'm like, Chris is badass. He's finally got some skills. I mean, he's he's yeah. he's, he's, get, he's getting... Yeah, he looks like he's been doing this for a while. Really, right. really quick before you go on. Yeah. You mentioned the couple shot in the head mm-hmm. that ran the place. I'm trying to remember because now now I'm trying to put some things together in my mind. 
I'm trying to remember. Were they shot in the head walkers or were they freshly shot in the head live people? It was a very quick shot of them on the floor, but the way it looked to me as if they were not turned yet. So to suggest that these those three guys killed them. Correct. Okay. Correct. Because yeah. now that changes the information for later for me, but okay. Yep, exactly. So, But did, again, they did it really quick so as to not make it yeah, so obvious, you know? Catch, yeah. It's you saying that that put that in my mind because I didn't even catch that. I missed that they were on the ground. So. Yeah, they were, they were. it was a quick – it was like half a second shot. You just see them there and the camera's kind of moving, but you do see them there. They're definitely out. They're definitely – and then you can, you can clearly see red, you know, bullet wound to the head type of situation there. But they didn't look zombie-ish. But anyway, the other two bros then emerge from the kitchen. I call them bros because they keep saying bro. Uh, Chris leaves with their water and beans, but also leaves one walker alive to kind of keep them busy for a minute while he runs away with their stuff. It's cool, brah. Yeah, brah. Yeah, brah. So, <laughs> so Chris runs back to the car with Travis and insists that they leave fast. Travis asks why, but Chris just lies like he usually does and says, oh, there were a few infected in the store, but they, they're following me now. We have to go. We have to go. Didn't tell Travis that he ran into some people and stole their stuff. That's fine. Well, but that but that was a smart move on Chris's part because if Chris had said there were people, you know what Travis would have done. He would have tried to like make peace with them or something or because talk to them, right? Yeah, you yeah. took this stuff from them, blah blah blah, and they needed to get the hell out of Dodge. So he made the wise choice in lying because then he did come clean. Ultimately, because he had when, to. Yeah, he was know, forced to. Well, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying though is is I I think it was a good move on his part strategically to lie to his dad at that. Okay, point. I I can I can definitely accept that. So Travis then basically you know floors the station wagon. They get it out of there. They they're on the main road now. And Chris looks back. He looks through the rear view, the rear window, I should say, and he sees one of the dudes come out of the taco store after him. So he, he, they see each other, although Travis is apparently not looking in the rearview mirror. He's just driving straight, but Chris sees the dudes, and the dudes see him as they're driving away. Yep. Some time passes. It's now night, and Travis is still driving on the road with Chris. Travis, you can see, is in a lot of pain. His foot is still giving him trouble. Just holding it on the gas pedal apparently is painful for him. And uh, they play with the radio for a little bit. Nothing but dead air, Travis comments. Uh, Chris checks in the glove compartment, finds a, like a cloth, kind of a bracelet, and puts it on. Travis pulls over and says, <clears throat> it's Chris's time to learn how to drive. So it's a nice kind of father-son moment between the two of them, teaching his son it how to drive. It actually wasn't a bad scene at all. It no. actually was what more of what we should have between these two characters and is moments like this. And I re- this was a very well-written scene, I thought. It was nice. It was it was cool. I mean, it was it was just a nice father son moment. We've all been there, whether you're a father or a son. Well, I mean, or even a daughter to this, to say that you know when you're first learning to drive with your parents. I mean, that, that that's a rite of passage, right? At least as an American, it's something that we, you know, we we it's a sign of growing up. It's 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 uh, so it, it's nice. It was a good little scene between them, and Chris's bad acting didn't ruin it. Let's put it that way. I actually thought he acted well in this scene. He, he didn't do bad. He wasn't pouting, and he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't bad. This, You're right. This right here was a good scene, right yeah. here. As a matter of fact, everything we had seen so far of these two of their storyline to this point has been fine. Yeah, hasn't been you know, 
And I will tell you, and I refer to this as the B storyline. And um, I ended up actually enjoying the B storyline more than I did the A. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I would have if it was all B story. So if this was just Chris and Travis driving on the road, the whole episode, forget it. This would have been ruined, right? Done. It's over. Right. Seen enough. But, yeah. But they intercut it just enough to keep it interesting, and it wasn't terrible. And now that I have a new piece of information I didn't have before, it puts some other things into perspective. Right. You don't know if these guys are killers or not. You don't know what their story is. Yeah. yeah. It's because I will say I got kind of an okay feeling off of them. Yeah, it, it was definitely ambiguous. Let's put it that way. I mean, they seemed but a little. Now that yeah. I got the bit about the couple on the ground, now it's obvious. Most likely, they killed them for their stuff. And yep. So, so Travis's instinct is probably right on. He's something with these guys, and he even said it. He goes, "How did they get these supplies? How did they get all this stuff?" It's like it doesn't just appear. You have to steal it from somebody else. Travis is smart enough to know that. He even comments on that later on. But back at the resort. We see Alicia holed up in a room, and she's uh, showing off her moves with a butterfly knife, kind of just in the dark, sitting there playing with the knife, looking through the peephole, and she's making some kind of marks in the door, which is actually pretty clever. She's keeping track of the walkers as they move down the hall from one side to the other. So she like counted like six of them, I think, and then when she saw them go from the left to the right, she kind of like slashed the, you know, the the, the mark that they, she made. It's okay, they're all over on this side now. It's actually pretty pretty cool. Yep. And there's a really cool jump, you know, scare moment there where she looks through the peephole finally, and there's a walker right there, just like chomping at her face you know, through the peephole. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I mean, if not cheap, I, I like it. I, it was, I thought it was nice, but it know. was a, you know, a, a classic trope. But it, was, oh, yeah. it was okay. I no, thought I had no problem with it. I, it kind of reminded me a little bit of episode the, the pilot of Walking Dead, where Rick, Rick is looking through the peephole, and he oh, sees yeah, really. uh, Morgan's dead wife just standing there and looking through the peephole at him. And I thought that was, you know, we haven't seen too much of that peephole stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool. So on the dark road, uh, Chris is still driving. He sees a walker on the right side and decides to speed up. When I, I thought he was going to go and try to hit him, but he kind of just goes around him. I don't know if he had second thoughts. Maybe he was going to hit him. I don't know what that was all about, but, you know, he goes around the walker. Uh, Travis then shares some of his optimism about the future, that the world isn't over. And some somehow someone will be putting the world back together. So it's it's not over yet. The car then eventually runs out of gas. They pull it off the road a bit and set up camp for the night. Not too far off the road, but they're off the road a piece. Travis then builds a campfire and they eat um, the stolen beans that they acquired. And they talk a little bit. Again, mostly Travis reminisces about how they used to go camping as a family when Chris was younger. Travis also shares an idea that Chris had, that they can find, I mean, says idea with Chris, that they can go find a home on top of a hill somewhere with a good vantage point, somewhere with maybe like a well, they can maybe grow some food, we can just wait this thing out, they can stay together, they can be safe together, so he's kind of planting the seed of this this idea that Travis has in Chris. And and again, all good scenes, Yeah, I mean, Chris's wasn't exactly great but it wasn't bad like it usually is he wasn't super pouty yeah again mm -hmm. the b storyline i've had no issues so far but he did ask here and and this was again he didn't do it in a a pouty way i'll give we'll give credit where credit's due he did say and then what like he was hinting it to his father okay we find this house we're there and then what 
and then he just kind of walked away or whatever and left it uh, there. He, he over delivered that line a little bit, but I yeah. mean, to me that it that that was a logical next thing to say. So. Right, Chris is still questioning this, you know, w- w- what he wants to do or where they're going or whatever. Then suddenly the bros reappear in their vehicle and and they, I guess they kind of see where the campfire is. So quickly, uh, you know, Chris douses the fire, um, and then they're h- kind of hiding in the in the brush there a little bit. And Chris admits to Travis that he really what he really did the taco stand. He robbed these guys, uh, you know, they, they took their stuff. The head bro says to Chris and Travis that you know, look, guys, I'm not going to kill you over a can of refried beans. Take it easy. And this is where we learn that the bro's name is Brandon, that that's the head bro, flanked by Derek and Baby James, in case you're wondering. Baby James. Baby James. And then Travis says, okay, well, do you want to join us for camp this evening? So they, you know, again, he's extending the hand like you just said, he, you predicted he would do. Back at the resort, Alicia looks over her balcony, uh, you know, from the room once again. It seems that things have quieted down a bit and she decides to try her luck in the hallway once again. The, however, the walkers see her pretty quickly and start to chase her. She's forced to pry open the elevator doors and jump onto the cables of the elevator, kind of just hanging on there for a minute. And it's a pretty cool stunt. A few walkers fall as they try to reach her. And the, the elevator car is really only a few floors down from where she is, so it's not like this is a treacherous thing. I mean, she could have just went down to the elevator car if she wanted to. Uh, but then suddenly Elena appears wielding an axe. Looks like a floor or two above where Alicia is. So Alicia climbs up the, you know, the the cabling there and kind of makes her way onto the open floor where where um where Elena was standing. But then Elena, here, yeah, here here we go with. Well, I'll let you finish. No, I was gonna say Elena then presses her against the wall and says, "Where is he?" You know. Then we go to commercial. Okay. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's because she wanted information. But here's the thing: is the second she Alicia gets on that floor, it's like she wants to kill her. And I'm right, thinking, right. Why in the hell did you help her up? Well, I guess she wanted information. She goes, "Where is he?" She, you know, she didn't want to kill this yeah, person. But, yeah, if she could help she him could, get her Hector back. She could back. have been asking. She could have left her hanging there for a second at, before offering her a hand, and you know, halfway offer her hand and say, you know, where is he? And then find out she doesn't know. I, I just, to me, it was very odd the way this scene played out. Yes, she's a crazed lady. But at the same time, I don't know. I just she, yeah, I know what you say. It, this, it seemed a little this, strange. This, You're right. This yeah. scene did not work for me much at all. And then immediately the next scene, she's invited into her room. It's like, okay, so is she the enemy? Right. Is she not the enemy? It's like, yeah, they don't know. But we switch back to the campfire after commercial, and uh, the bros have set up a string uh, and the can. You know, we've seen this before. You know, right. a string and some cans, so that we can make noise if the walkers appear during the middle of the night. Travis uh, asks where these American boys are from. And Brandon says San Diego. Travis then kind of makes a face but explains what they know so far. He says, look, you know, San Diego was burnt to the ground by the military, and we know at least half of the USA is gone. The western half is pretty much gone. But um, the bros don't seem phased by this, and they're, they're impressed with Chris's skills. They want to know how he learned to do what he did, I guess by taking out those couple of walkers the way he did. And then Brandon asks Travis and Chris how many – quote-unquote wasted have they taken down so they call them not walkers not infected they call them wasted um travis says he doesn't keep count but quote killer chris which the bros are now calling chris they call him killer chris 
or um, he says 17, and he just knew that number like like it was on the top of his head. So obviously, Chris has been keeping track of how many he oh, took down. Yeah, if he had a door, he'd be stamping zombie heads on it. Absolutely, yeah, he's definitely keeping track. He has a score to settle with something. So I wonder if he's yep. counting that guy he took out in the airplane that wasn't turned yet. Maybe he is. It's possible. Oh, I'm sure he is. With the broken back and the way, you know. Yeah. So the boys offer to take Chris and Travis with them. They say, hey, why don't you come with us, join forces with us. Travis declines but says, look, maybe you can give us some supplies or some fuel so we can get where we're going. The, the bros say, no, we can't do gas, but, you know, we can get you maybe to the next town where you can you can get it on your own. Okay. In Elena's room, back again, cutting back and forth, Alicia notices the stack of do not disturb like door hangers on the coffee table and asks if she's the one that's been you know marking the rooms with the infected. Elena admits to have been moving the walkers around as needed, and she kind of starts to interrogate Alicia again as to where Hector is. Where's Hector? Alicia insists, look, I don't know who Hector is. I don't know who these people are. She's just here with her family. And Elena is very concerned that Hector's been taken prisoner by the remaining dozen or so guests at the hotel. And she explains that she has the keys for the entire hotel and the guests want the keys from her. Alicia offers up kind of an alliance and says, look, we can work together. We can find our people together. I'll protect you. We can work together. So they kind of form a little bit of an alliance. But I'm going to pause right here for one second. Where the hell is Ophelia? I mean, I mean, do we just forget about her? I mean, I mean, she's gone. I, I think she's going to show up as a walker before the season's over. You think so? I she, think she just disappeared. She, she wandered off somewhere, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I just, I don't care about her character at all. So goodbye. Okay, no, I, I hear you. You yep. are the weakest link. Goodbye. I, I get it. I, I understand what you're saying, but. I mean, where'd she go? It's just really weird that she disappeared in this hotel like that. It was so strange. They're wanting to create their dramatic moment in the penultimate or the finale, <laughs> something like that, where oh, they come around a, a corner and the, the Sophia out of the barn moment kind of oh, thing. Oh, and, and then Daniel will, will just magically appear at that minute, right? He'll reappear. Reuben Blades will come back, and then and he sees yeah. his daughter as a walker. Okay, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I, I, exactly. All right, I got you. I got you now. So, again, back at the campsite, we're cutting back and forth, so stay with me. Chris is in the tent with Travis and trying to convince Travis to join the group, saying, hey, you know, we should join these guys. Travis resists, saying he doesn't trust them. Chris blames Madison again, saying, this is about Madison, isn't it? And and you want to stay close so you don't have to get too far from her. You can always find her again. And uh, Travis says, down the douchiness just a little bit, Chris. (laughs) The dialogue... That he gave fit perfectly. Yeah. That that was exactly what I would expect Chris or this kid to say to He's jealous father. of the stepmother or whatever. I yeah, mean, right. Every bit of it. But he delivered it in such a way that it was just, I was just like, is has he ever been in front of a camera? I, I know. Mean, this is about Madison again. Ugh, I know. It's just that. that ugh. I mean, you can be the whiny teenager without <laughs> being the whiny teenager. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. He just he he tries to oversell it. I I, I don't know. It's just I know. so bad. This was where I had a problem with the B storyline, but I now don't have as much of a problem with the B storyline here. Is because. I really thought, dude, Travis, come on. They've been nothing but kind so far. 
you know, they can at least get you back across the border. I get the whole find a farm or something, but man, get up at least to where the water's a little bit cleaner, you know? Right, exactly. Well, you use these I guys mean, at the very least, right? Yeah. If you have a chance to get at least get back into an area where you have some familiarity, yeah, they burnt San Diego to the ground. Well, guess what? You know, and L.A. and everything else. Well, they've probably left there by now. So now go in. I mean, I'm just saying is is I, I didn't get his argument. I got that he didn't trust them. But to me, there was no reason to not trust them. And again, he wasn't in the taco stand. Right. But now that I know that they probably killed that couple there's probably enough of a vibe there to where that level of mistrust makes sense. And Travis is picking up on it. And he even says that this group yeah. is dangerous. And Chris says, well, that's what it takes to survive in this world. And then a super pouty face, Chris goes to bed reluctantly. Cause Travis says, go to bed. Pouty face. I was way, uh, I was just, Oh Jesus. He, 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 he had that, that face again. Cause Travis said, go to bed. And he made that, 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 well, and Craig, I want you to think about something. Yeah. I don't know if you've been on a set before. I don't know if you've been involved in filming anything, but no. Generally, when you're filming something, you have at least four or five takes <laughs> because because you want to make sure you get the best angles, the best you know, and then you want to you know get different perspectives and stuff like that for the editor to cut to work to with. Make yeah. a scene. So there's many copies of this take that's out here where he's making that face and the that <laughs> thing and that was the best one that's the one they chose so imagine how bad the others were imagine just the imagine. cutting room floor of the pouty faces right it didn't make didn't make the final cut <laughs> because that looked like something out of a bad model shoot for teen beat or tiger magazine in the 80s i'm just telling <laughs> <laughs> it was super pouty face again. That was it, because Travis ordered him to bed. He didn't want to go to bed. So now in- this is also where I, for just a brief second, like a microsecond, like about the amount of time it takes a heart attack victim to turn. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna get it now. He's gonna join these other kids, and they're gonna. He's gonna shoot and kill his father. Right. I thought. I. I seriously, for just a second, thought that that was gonna happen. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of saw the, the where the story is gonna resolve itself, right? Where this group well, is gonna, it, yeah. And it looked like there was just a little bit too much of a tinge of rage in Chris's eye. I, I'm just telling you. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking, though, my prediction is going to go a different way. I think that Travis is going to have to end up putting down his own son. Yeah, yeah I think, you mentioned that last week. I think that that's highly possible, too. Especially after what we see happening way, in this episode, where he has no remorse, obviously, for what happens at the I end. I want to see Chris become a bad guy. I want to see Chris become a governor or a Negan type. I want to see that. He, I want he to, may, but the one to take I, him out is going to be going to be his daddy, I think. Honestly, well, yeah, and but that would be that would that would be such great storytelling. I know it'd be pretty amazing, well, right? Yeah. So well, obviously, Fear the Walking Dead's not going to do that. So what we're probably going <laughs> to—that's just too cool. That's too cool for school. We can't go that way, right? Okay, right. <laughs> so back in the hotel in the morning, Elena and Alicia execute a plan to move the hall walkers and herd them into one room safely. It goes down mostly without a hitch. Alicia has to wait for Lena to kind of throw a sheet from the next terrace over to rescue her. 
Alicia, That's problem uh, with this storyline right here. <laughs> okay, what? so you've made this plan, and you're going to run her in, and you know, you know her way out's going to be through the window to the other window of the other room. You know that. <laughs> so before you execute the plan, why aren't you over there tying off a sheet on both sides and doing that so that it's already there for her to grab and move around. It's just a little I'm, extra drama, a little, you know, extra something. It yeah. was sloppy. Yeah. Sloppy. It was sloppy. Because for a moment, if you notice, because uh, uh, Alicia's in the room, and you see Elena close the door behind them, like, oh, my God, is is Elena double-crossing Alicia now? That's, and then that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, you're right. They probably did it that But, I mean, come on. You could still... <sighs> you can still create <laughs> drama without having shit that doesn't make sense happen. <laughs> so, of course, with, with, with the contrived drama, uh, Alicia almost slips and falls as the walkers break through in, you know, onto the terrace, but she makes it to safety. Fine. And Elena is hesitant. They have a little conversation on, on the next terrace over. Elena is hesitant to go with Alicia to the lobby as she hasn't left the tower since it began, but Alicia convinces her, look, we got to do this, otherwise we're just going to die up here. So we got to do it. Back in the lobby, uh, they're downstairs now, you see after commercial break, Elena is spooked a bit, walking into the wedding reception room, which she you know, obviously left these people to die in. She admits to Alicia about locking the guests and, in to protect the rest of the hotel. And not only left the people, left the cake. The cake is untouched. It still to this point looks looks pretty unscathed. Actually, I'm just saying I'd be over there slicing off a hunk of it. <laughs> you really want right that the, cake? You could taste I that want, cake, can't you? I want that cake. In the Mexican heat, though, I mean, I don't know. I could have, that, that buttercream could have turned, man. You know what I mean? You got to keep that stuff cold. You can wipe the frosting off. Of it. <laughs> generally, I do anyway, especially that wedding cake type stuff. That real sweet, that sweet, sugar, sickly yeah. sweet buttercream. Just, just get it out of the way, right? Let, let me at that cake. <laughs> Hashtag I'm fat. I'm that yellow sponge. I want that sponge cake. I want it. So Elena cries a little. Actually, she really, she's really upset about what she did. I mean, she really feels bad about it. So I guess we're, we're, we're for the audience, we're seeing that. Look, she's not evil. She didn't lock these people in just to be evil. She's just was trying to protect the hotel. She even said the hotel was like packed with people, and if I let these infected run around, it could really lead to chaos. Um, but Alicia says, "Look, I've heard a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse." Please don't worry. I'm going to protect you. So, like, she's stepping up and kind of being, uh, you know, uh, again, an alliance between Alicia and Elena. Now, would you say that there was at least a minimum of 50 people at that wedding reception? It was hard to tell. I mean, I don't know. I mean, get this would budget thing. Would you say I mean, that there was at least enough people to where they would double up enough on that door to break through the one lock? Deadbolt lock if, on the door. I see what you're saying. So you're saying even if they haven't turned, if they can just use their collective strength as humans to bust through that door. I see I'm what you're saying. I'm talking about panicked humans. Right, a, right. A, 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 a gaggle, a flock, a, a murder <laughs> of people. I'm just saying is it still makes no damn sense that she locked them all in and most of them, you know, died because of it and blah, blah, blah. I just, it makes no sense. Well, we don't really know what happened to them because there really wasn't that much like blood and stuff on the floor of that wedding hall. I mean, there was some, but maybe Again, a lot of them got out ultimately, but well, not maybe, after, you know, maybe, a while. Maybe. I don't know. But if, yeah. if they got out, why, why stick around? 
You, right. I, I mean, obviously, some of them made it. Obviously, when we get to the end, but I mean, you know, that's that's a good point. Why, why stick around? You might as well just go. So, in the next scene, the bros are driving Chris and Travis in the pickup truck on the road. Travis is in the bed of the truck with Brandon. I think it's Brandon. I'm getting them kind of mixed up. While Chris is up front listening to the other two swap stories about some fat girl they both once knew. Okay. Brandon is feeling godlike in the apocalypse. He's sharing some of his philosophies with Travis in the back bed, saying, look at this, man. Look at the world. Look at this. There's no bills to pay. There's no no, no job to do. He goes, this is, this is great. I feel like a god. So he really feels like he's he's coming alive in this apocalypse. Um, Chris spots a farm up ahead of the road, and he says, look, guys, there's some crops here. There could be a farm on that hill. And the bros decide to investigate. Hey, good good catch, uh, good catch, Chris. Some some prime uh, prime meat to plunder. They don't find any supplies at first in the, at the farm or at the house, but they have yet to explore the barn. Travis pulls Chris aside and says, "Hey, Chris, this could be the place we're talking about. It's got a well. It's got this. It's got that. We can we can make a stand here." But Chris insists, of course, it's a bad idea. They need to be with a group of people. Now, this is a clever line right here. Travis reminds him. He says, "Hey, Chris." You know, we kind of we had that before, and Chris says, "Well, yeah, but these these guys look at me different, or something, or they look at me different." And I don't know if he meant the dudes look at him different, or if like Madison and their group looked at him differently. I didn't know which way he was taking that line. Well, I I kind of took it as Madison and the group they looked at him as this, a psycho, as a yeah, he's right. gone psychotic. These people are accepting of his psychoticness. Gotcha. Okay, so that's that's the difference between the two but groups. They're closer to his age, so obviously he relates, you know. Yeah, there's definitely you see that. There's definitely like a, like a friendship or something or whatever. But you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're peers. He, he, they're yeah. He's an instant bra, you know. Bra. He's a bra. He's definitely a bra. Chris is a wannabe bra, but he's de- they like him. They already, he he's accepted. They call him Killer Chris. So he's definitely a bra. He's a bra to be. Bra to be. Yes. <laughs> so they finally make it to the barn. And inside the barn are a bunch of live chickens running around. Now, while they're in there playing with the chickens, that's it. That's what he said, protein. But outside, Travis notices that there are some freshly made graves on the property with the little cross and the names of the people written on the cross and realizes that the owner must still be nearby or at least around. Somebody buried them bodies. That's right. Again, we're cutting pretty quick now. Back at the hotel, Elena and Alicia are still exploring the lobby, looking for Maddie and Strand and, of course, Hector. Um, The bar that Maddie was in was now apparently barricaded from the outside. So somebody apparently blocked the doors after Maddie and Strand were in there. Suddenly, Oscar, the groom, appears with his soon-to-be mother-in-law, Eileen, and a few others holding Hector hostage. Alicia is insisting they tell her where her mother is, but they say, look, we don't know who you are. We don't know any mother. We don't know anything. They just want the keys. Oscar says, we want the keys, and, and we'll give you Hector. But Eileen, the, the mother-in-law, says, well, this, Elena, we want her dead. She should be dead for what she did in the wedding hall. She really wants a piece of Elena, you know, because for what she did. Right. Elena then tosses the keys over to, over to uh, Oscar and then Alicia opens the door to the bar. It was a kind of a clever move. She took Hector and Elena and kind of hid behind the door and let all the walkers out to attack, um, you know, Very Oscar smart. and everyone. Yep. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, so it was it was a cool move. When the bar is clear of walkers, they go in looking for Maddie and Strand, but they don't see them. And then there's like this cheap shot where you have this blonde 
Walker, which they, you know, they make you think for half a second it's Madison. We, of course, know it's not going to be Madison, but, you know, they they make you think it's going to be her, and it's not. Back at the barn, the only... Not even for a second did I think that was her. Because half it was a second, obvious. Right? Yeah. It was obvious that they were just trying to do the cheap horror ploy of the quick, or I mean, a, the the slow turnaround of reveal of it's not what you thought it was. Exactly, but, it's like you knew like, it. Yeah, it's like come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. I shouldn't complain because The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead sometimes they'll pull off some, or they'll do some tropes and they work. But they and do them usually still- in a cool way, though. They do, they do them in a modern, kind of a slick way. This was kind of just like, you're right, it's kind of just a little cheap. You know, it's like, all right, we, whatever. We know it's not Madison. Come on. But but if you think about it, back in the hallway of the hospital when Rick first awoke, we kind of got some of the cheap tropes, too. We but did. You, yeah, don't open dead know, inside. Okay, with the hand coming through. we also through, didn't right, have yeah. five seasons, five years of the universe <laughs> as fresh information in our heads, either. So, true. I don't know. That's true. So when the bar is clear, they go in looking for Maddie and Strand. They don't see them, like I said. Back at the barn, uh, the owner of the property bursts in with a shotgun. So there's a Mexican farmer, and the three bros all hold their guns up to him, including Chris. Chris has a revolver. Travis insists that they all leave. They say, look, this, we, we should get out of here, guys. This is his property. They have no right to be here. One of the bros then provokes... The, the, the farm, and this is again, this, there's a lot of tight editing here, so I kind of consolidated it. But one of the bros breaks one of the chickens' necks, and the Mexican man shoots him in the leg. I think it was Baby James, but I'm not sure who it was, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. The other two bros look like they're going to shoot the Mexican man, but Chris simply raises his revolver and blows the guy away. I mean, without even like a hesitation. It's like the gun comes up, boom, he's done. And again, for, for, I, I, think ultimately Chris is going to become a governor type Negan type character if he lives that long if he lives if, that long if he, if he lives that right, long I'll put that caveat in there <laughs> and 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 this is a logical step in the story of somebody becoming that to the point where they can kill without any regret remorse, remorse second thought know? first thought yeah just, I mean yeah. I think of I think of uh, Powers Booth. You know the actor Powers Booth. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, from Deadwood and from everything else. Yeah, I remember him. Sure. Right, yeah. Right. Well, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most when I think of villains and movies, TV, and stuff like that is um, him in what was that Van Damme movie about the hockey? Uh, what was it? I'm more of a Seagal guy. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I haven't, <laughs> you're going way back now with that one. Anyway, anyway, there's a point in this hockey arena in this like owner's box type thing. He's just walking and he, you know, he's come in and he started his bad guy plan, right? And he's explaining some things to these hostages. And he just goes walking by one and doesn't even look down at him, doesn't blink, doesn't nothing, just puts a, puts a bullet in him. And just keeps it. Keep, he's talking. He's giving a soliloquy at the time. <laughs> doesn't even pause. Doesn't nothing. And that's what I think of when you have a true villain, somebody that is truly evil, to where they just there. There is no emotional connection with any actions that they take whatsoever, especially when they're taking someone's life. And that's what I see with Chris. 
that's what I think. You know, he's yeah, a sociopath. sociopath. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, that that, it, that and he is going to be one of those that has no hesitation to kill anything, anybody, as long as it's going to keep him and his safe or alive. If that means crossing a line, there's no line he won't cross. Kill them all, as the governor would say. Yep. So back to the hotel, Elena finds a secret passageway underneath the bar and brings Alicia and Hector through. Although they are being chased by a few walkers at this point, they get to the end of the passageway and the door is locked at the end of this, I guess, little tunnel that they're in. They try to break it down, and then suddenly Madison opens up the door and pulls them in. So she's safe, and Strand is in there, and they, they, they found this little passageway somehow, and all is right in the world. Back to the barn, however, as the episode comes to an end, Travis watches, and this is can really well edited, and it just he watches this poor man draw his last breaths, like he's there and he's kind of choking and you know dying. He's obviously dying from the gunshot, but you hear him still breathing a bit, and he's drawing his last breaths. An innocent man, and Chris extends his hand to Travis to help him up, I guess from the ground or whatever. But Travis does not take it; just looks at him like he's like he's nutso. And that's the end of the episode. They just end it right there with, with with a shot on Travis. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we've discussed our predictions a little bit. I I think um, I think Chris is not going to make it through the end of the season. I think I think Travis is going to be the one to have to put him down, and that's going to destroy Travis. That's going to make him a complete. Just he's going to be so messed up after that. But something's going to happen. Yeah, I I really want Travis to go. I mean, I like I, Travis I, though. He's like an every man. He's like an every guy. I, I have no problem with him. He doesn't bother me as a character. I like him away from Madison. He's better to me away from well, her. Well, I I won't disagree there. But he his character it's just flat. There's nothing to me. There is nothing special about his character. There is nothing drawing me to his character. There's nothing that has its his. I just I don't care about his character. I really didn't care about Chris till he got interesting. Right. I mean, I I still am not liking the way he's portrayed in a lot of scenes, but I I at least think he's become an interesting character. I think you know Madison's become interesting. Alicia, especially this episode, has become interesting. They're all starting to actually you know there are things that it it you know I'm like you know, picking up on to where that character means something to me, you know, not necessarily a lot or little or whatever, but there's some meaning of that character to me. I don't get nothing out of Travis. To me, he is just a waste of space. He's just a, another piece in, in that's being moved around because I don't feel he's integral or key to anything. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. I mean, uh, he definitely uh, needs some other more. Other than being this objective voice to Chris becoming the ultimate evil, you know. So, yeah, yeah, he's definitely you know part of it. I just I, I think he needs some more development for sure. And they tried really hard in the beginning, but it just didn't work. I, I like him as the everyman. He seems like a good guy. He's a good heart. He's you know he, he just seems like an every kind of guy. The, the guy next door, American, you know, kind of guy. I mean. You know, I have no issue with that. It's just, you're right, there's nothing else going on for him. Yeah, he used to be a teacher, but, you know. Well, that's my other point, is he he was a teacher. English literature teacher or something, I believe, yeah. And and I I will tell you, like, most of the 
both my most favorite teachers in school and the ones I hated the most were all literature teachers. Huh. Because when 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 somebody is teaching literature, they either connect with the student and get to get their understanding or they don't. I mean, they have to find a way to connect. All right, because I mean, there's some, you know, especially when you get into, you know, some British literature and some, you know, some ancient texts and some stuff like Homer and things like that. Yeah, you really mythology. To, yeah, you really have to plug into those kids to keep their interest to get them to learn and understand that stuff. So, you know, and they had mentioned in certain parts of the beginnings of this show that he was a a well-respected teacher at least that's the impression i got right yeah yeah he was definitely well liked in the school kind of a you know cool he guy yeah find a way to connect with his step soon what what would have been his stepkids or his own kid but he you know i just there's too much conflicting about his character i get you know it's different when it's your own kids but you know he is trained or should be trained in a way to find a way to connect with kids, to be able to communicate and impart wisdom upon them, especially something that's as complex as literature. Okay. And, you know, obviously what you're saying to Chris is not getting through. It's time to change your approach, find a way to relate to him on his level to get into his head then you start manipulating to get his understanding of why things are right or wrong or why things should be done one way or another. But instead, he just whines and bitches and 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 he, you know, and just dictates to Chris. And that right there, I'm sorry, he's not that great of a father. He or of a parent. Right. Not that great of a parent. He's a good father because he obviously cares and all that other stuff, but he's terrible at parenting. And for somebody that is obviously supposed to be this good teacher that has a subject like literature that requires you to be able to connect with children on their level, it makes no sense for him to not at least have somewhat of a level field with Chris or at least find a way to gain that a level field to where Chris is buying into some of what you're saying. And then you, I, I don't know. I don't know, but no, I, I hear, I think I hear everything you're saying. And um... to me, his character doesn't make sense. When you take all the pieces of his character and put them into one mold, it doesn't fit. And that's that... the problem we're having with a lot of the characters. I mean, at least on the walking dead, the other show, and I hate comparing, but at least on that show, everybody brought some type of skill with them from their previous life. Like, Rick was a cop, right? Shane was a cop. Uh, Herschel was a farmer. You know, Lori was, 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 was a bad mom. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, but either way, they all brought something with them. What is Travis bringing with him? Like, all right, he can fix a carburetor. He can fix the boat. He can hotwire a car. Okay, that, I guess that's cool. That out of some Shakespeare, buddy. <laughs> but I mean, like you said, well, but, but maybe his persuasiveness should have been a skill that came with him. His, you know, being able to get through to kids, like you just said, that's a skill that I don't think he brought with him. What Madison is a quote unquote guidance counselor. I shouldn't say quote unquote. She was a guidance counselor. What is she bringing with her besides being pouty and negative and, well, you know? But I, I see her 
with almost all most characters, she is able to find ways to communicate with them. To I, I don't know. I just see her able to negotiate her way through conversations and things much better than than a lot of people normally do, except when it comes to um, Nick. When it comes to Nick, yeah, she doesn't handle him right at all. She, she does is not handle him completely blind to anything, which makes her a terrible parent. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if Robert Kirkman just his parents weren't good to him or something because he sure writes to a lot of terrible parents. I don't know if you ever. I, read. I don't think he's got a lot to do with this. I got to be honest with you. This I think he set the premise of the show, and I think he kind of walked away and he let Erickson take it. I don't think he's involved in the day-to-day. I haven't seen him writing any of these episodes. I haven't seen him being involved in any of these. So I don't think this is this is him. This is this is he created the world. He says, okay, we're going to create these two families. They're in L.A. They're then and right. You know that. But have you read Invincible? No, I haven't. Is it is it like this a lot? His 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 theme of bad parenting transfers into that one too. Not gotcha. As- yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So maybe he's got he's got some kind of axe to grind subconsciously, consciously, whatever it may be. He's he's working on something there. Yeah. So before we get to our vault, uh, venerable Toby ratings, let's have a quick word from our sponsor, and I'll take care of it this week. It's DCBService.com. That's DCBService.com. There you can find all of your comic book needs, wants, uh, stuff you didn't even think you needed or wanted. I mean, I'm on the, on the site right now. There's 50% off almost all the floppies. Batman, uh, TMNT, Adventures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, crazy stuff. Uh, there's half off Buffy right now, the Vampire Slayer, uh, Slayer season eleven. Half off only one ninety nine. So there's some some great deals you can just throw into your shopping cart. They're they're known for their great customer service. They ship things very fast, and they have the best prices out there on the internet. I, I defy anyone to find better prices for comics than on DCBService.com. Or their sister site, InStockTrades.com. Again, check them out. Um, again, there's uh, Comixology as well. So if you're not into the paper stuff and you want to, you know, get your digital orders, you can do that as well. You can actually get five percent back on your DCB service orders as well. So check that out, DCBService.com. They keep this show going for all of you that are listening right now. They are a great sponsor of the show, and they've been so pretty much from the beginning. So uh, we want you to. At least give them a shot before you purchase anything off of Amazon or one of those other sites. Check them out, dcbservice.com. So, getting to our Toby ratings, Richard, what would you give this as far as your Toby ratings? One to five. I, 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 very, very middle of the road, give it a three. Uh, but I do want to say, again, I want to iterate that the editing was done very well. There was a lot of directive direction choices that I thought were well made. There's just a lot and mostly in the A storyline that it's just kind of like, huh? <laughs> Why? Well, it just didn't seem like a lot of smart choices were made or there were a lot of things forced into play on, on that piece of it. So um, amazing enough. I I enjoyed the Chris Travis storyline more than I did the hotel storyline, and that that's so, amazing because we were all bracing that, ourselves for that one this week. But so, uh, but again, if 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 I had to watch just them 
for the majority of this episode, I don't think I would have felt the same way. So I think that that editing choice that in telling the two stories was smart. I just wish they would have made better, more intelligent choices on the hotel storyline. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I'll give it a uh, 3.75. I do the quarter ratings and, and I mean, the episode did not irritate me. And I'm going to say that means a lot because I'm rewatching now the beginning part of season two. Um, my girlfriend is a little bit behind in fear. She's just, she, so I'm like watching like season two, episode three and four right now. And that was really bad. Like, you know what I mean? So this half of the season is not annoying me nowhere near the beginning half of the first, of the second season. I always got the impression yeah. you liked girlfriend. What do you mean? Well, I, you're, uh, how abusive. You're making her watch Fear the Walking Dead? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'll tell you, it's actually Poor pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, she loves The Walking Dead, but she's, it's been hard for her to get into fear. And I said, well, look, babe, I'm, I'm doing the podcast. You can keep up with that. You can listen to us. We talk and jibber-jabber about it. She goes, all right, okay, I'll check it out. First couple of times, like, she fell asleep. We were in the middle of watching one episode that she was out. So I said, forget it. I'm not going to keep playing these episodes over and over again, torturing myself, right. having to right. watch them. <laughs> she's exactly. asleep. You know what I mean? She's like, she's not even getting it. So, um, but she's, she's, we're kind of catching up slowly now. So she's getting into, you know, where we are. And, um, uh, this second half of the season is markedly better. I don't know if it's the editing, the, the they're technically muscling the show to be a little bit better than it probably is, but I'm liking it a lot better. So I'll give it a three point seven five. Um, solid story. I like the the interweaving back and forth. Nothing really scary, on the, you know, but nothing really too bad either. I mean, even the Chris stuff was somewhat tolerable. It's not like I wanted to. You know, where he's saying dad or some crazy stuff like that, or should I shoot these people? Or, I mean, you know, he's not saying that kind of nonsense anymore. So, it really right. didn't bother me that much. Um, I didn't want to take my remote and throw it at the TV. Like, that's, that's my that's my bellwether. When I want to throw something at my because, TV, I know it's a bad episode. Because yeah. any time they got close to where you might have got annoyed and wanted to throw something, they cut to the other storyline. That's a good point. They, they, they didn't they didn't play it too long. They just they just give you a little taste and you moved on to the next story. And yeah, you're right. They, I'm they, I'm wondering if they were to take bring in some master editor and take like the first six episodes in that first season. Oh, that's a good call. And, and recut them. And, yeah. And recut them. <laughs> I mean, there's still some bad camera work done in that. Yeah. But, but recut them to where there's more intercutting going on like this, maybe it would be tolerable. And I call that muscling. Like, they're muscling the show to be better than it really is. Like, they have to fake it yeah. by using creatively, yeah. really ultra-creative editing. And, like, you know, the show still has its faults, and we've, we all know that. But, I mean, uh, I'll take this. Again, I gave the first episode, I believe, the second half a 3.5. The next one I gave a 4.0. Uh, this one, a 3.75, I think I'm pretty much, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I can, I can take more of this. This is fine for me. And uh, hopefully next week looks to deliver some pretty cool stuff. I think I saw even a glimpse of, um, like, Strand covered in blood, kind of like, you know, Nick is. So, I saw, I, I, yeah, I saw some pretty cool stuff on those preview for next week. So we'll see what happens. I didn't happens. see the preview, so. Okay, it was really quick. You just saw a glimpse of Strand, but he was covered in the, you know, the zombie guts. And I said, okay, it looks, cool. looks pretty cool. They're, they're on the move. But who cares what we think? We have an amazing face group, Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups uh, forward slash WDTV podcast. 
We also have a great face group, like you said. It's just a place like in Game of Thrones, our wall of faces. It, oh, I, that's a secret. It, it is a face group, yes. <laughs> we should just call it face group. Is it Facebook? It's the Facebook.com. Just do a search for the Walking Dead TV podcast. We have uh, almost 790 members strong right now. All you have to do to get into the fun is really easy. Just click the Join button. We will let you into the group very quickly. And then you can leave your Toby ratings. Now, for Fear the Walking Dead, we call them Toby ratings because of our beloved character uh, of Toby. On The Walking Dead, we call it the Buster ratings. And that's because of the uh, lovely zombie from the episode one of uh, of um, The Walking Dead. The bus Dead. zombie. The, the, bus, the guy that was on the bus. Yes, the zombie that was on the bus. We call him Buster. So, uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get started. I guess we can alternate. Do uh, you want to take the first one right there? Sure. Adam Fatah, I will give it three out of five Tobies. I have to admit that Killer Chris and Pacifist Travis was the best part of the episode. Huh, okay. It seems like Alicia got all the zombie action this week. Oh, that is a good point. And I, they did really good with her as far as that part goes. She did good. And Chris handled them well, too. I mean, the couple that he yeah. had. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my complaint is that the show is using way too many shortcuts. We never actually found out how the Madison and Stra- uh, yeah, or how Ophelia is, is she alive or dead? Well, I think the Madison Strand they're going to do that in a flashback kind of thing or something, or or we'll get that story in part of next week maybe or something, you know? Right. It's almost um, implied that we're going to see the res- resolution. As far as yeah. Ophelia, I. I think that there's I just again I think they're gonna you know just just like Hamlet did it or Hamlet just like Shakespeare did in his <laughs> play uh, Ophelia is gonna be used at, uh, death is gonna be used as some dramatic moment Ophelia is she from the Tempest which one is she from she's from Hamlet oh Hamlet okay gotcha yeah hmm Johnny Storr writes three water and refried beans out of five. Chris is the show Shane, except he isn't screwing anyone. Or is he now? Oh, boy. On the fence if the new guys are good or bad. Also, they need to get out of the hotel, but I guess they'll need a place to film. So, hey, let's use the basement. How many days till The Walking Dead comes back? (laughs) Sheesh. (laughs) Well, yeah, wow. Wow. (laughs) So, uh, did you just like that? I just saw somebody like that. That was me. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I'm liking him as I go along. Yes. I guess I should do that. Uh, Tammy Heisley, I don't know. You could just stop there, Tammy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe it is all the cold meds I've been taking, but I really like this episode. Wow. Share those meds. Uh, love that opening flashback. I'm giving this episode a solid four out of five Tobies. But. The opening was great, but they they didn't eat the cake. Didn't, that just kills it for you right there, huh? <laughs> Rob Cook, 3.5 woefully underused fire axes out of 5. Touche. Seriously, uh, why didn't we see that buried in a walker's head just once? That aside, a solid episode. Good point. Well, again, they're trying to be different. This show is trying to be different. It's the it's the softer side of The Walking Dead. That that aside, a solid episode with plenty of zombie action and nice to see them uh, running two story arcs to keep us interested. Hopefully, Travis will finally cut loose. Psycho Chris uh, is now he knows he's a stone cold killer. I think he I think he's even freaked out to the new guys. He'll end up their leader. <laughs> Chris will, I guess he's saying. I guess next week we'll see Drunk Madison and the Seducer of Peoples. Great bar escape. <laughs> That's good, right? <Ryan. laughs> 
All right, Richard chopping down a cherry tree, Charrington. <laughs> Four, that must have been one hell of a wedding out of five. A huge improvement on the last two weeks and the first episode in a long time that has had me on the edge of my seat and looking forward to the next episode. The opening scene was brilliant, and at least we found out this week that someone or something has had some of the cake. Oh, did we? Maybe a chunk did was missing. I didn't notice that. It was a little dark in there. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, keep it up, please, AMC. Uh, <laughs> P.S. Are we to take it now that Daniel is dead? I I don't think so. I think he's going to come back in some dramatic moment covered in zombie guts. I mean, we don't know where Daniel is. We don't know where Ophelia is. So the Salazars are missing entirely right now. Now Hamlet killed Ophelia's father in in the play, so we. You know, I don't what know. was the girl's name in the Tempest? Then come on, you gotta help me out there. What was her name? Her name was. Um, uh, oh God! I know Prospero was the. Prospero was the magician. Was the magician? What was what was the daughter's name? Now I can't think of that. Um, it's gonna drive me crazy now. I thought I thought it was Ophelia, but I guess I was, I'm gonna, that ticked me off because that's my, actually one of my favorite. The Tempest, right? Yeah. Was, uh, was it Penelope Tempest. or something, something like that, or? Um, Oh, uh-huh. God, it's killing me now. All right. I'm just going to keep going. If you figure it out, let me know. DeRay Irvin. Okay. You, 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 now it's under my skin. <laughs> it's under your skin. <laughs> well, I remember Ariel, but was it Ariel you're talking about? Is it the daughter of of, of, of uh, Prospero? I forget now. It's been so long since I... I mean, this is Shakespeare going back to high school and college. I mean, this is going way back now. Miranda. Miranda. Thank you. Thank you, Miranda. And she's got the rights. That's right. DeRay Irvin, four out of five Tobies. This episode was done very well, uh, or very well done, he wrote. I agree with everyone else. The opening wedding scene was so great. I started wondering what I would have to do in Elena's situation. I would have done in Elena's situation. I think I would have locked them in and ran too. And even though I still really hate Chris, (laughs) the terrible things he does are actually making the story more interesting. The kid straight up shot the farmer in front of his dad to impress his new friends. I'm sold. Wow. That's what I'm saying. I mean, is it bad? Yes. Is it a dickish move? Yes. Is it awesome for the building of a bad character? And I mean, by bad, I mean evil, not bad as in what his character was up to this point. I, I, I'm, I'm in too, as far as that goes. I think, and you know, I, I think you're right. He's probably going to end up dead and, more than likely before the end of this season, but or at I least hope with an eye patch, one or the other. I mean, I, don't I, know. Yeah. I hope we get to see him build to. No, I, I want to see him, you know, like help build a group and be an integral like leader in this group, and you know, end up like imprisoning his dad because he's being, you know, not going along with it, or you know, something. I, I just I want to see him become something bad now again be careful what you wish for because that means we'll have to see more of him more of the pouting the terrible acting i mean i know what you're saying here but just be careful what you wish for that's all i'm saying yeah but a lot of that pouting those kind of things will make more sense for a character that has turned that has broke bad if you will (laughs) i think we're seeing him break bad and i think if that's the destiny for this character that's a good evolution and i think that him shooting that farmer in the dell was spot on yeah and cold-blooded cold-blooded 
All right, uh, Andrew Park, um, three out of five wedding face hickeys from Dad. <laughs> That's terrible. I, <laughs> I was expecting a wine fest from Chris, but they managed to rein in his performance, and Cliff Curtis gave quite a good performance also. Mm. Uh, the Wasters look wasters. Like, <laughs> like B-list extras that cheap makeup. I thought that was kind of a cool story behind why they called them the Wasters. I got you, because uh, they call the dead the Wasted, so these are the Wasters. Okay, that's actually pretty cool. I like that. I can deal with well, that. I, didn't, didn't they mention something about the first ones they saw? They thought they were drunk or yes, something? Yes, exactly. They thought he was wasted, and he bought one of the bit, bit one of their friends or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. so I, I thought that was kind of cool. The anyway. Wasters. <laughs> so, so he says they look like Z-list extras with cheap makeup, which even yellow flashing hazard lights couldn't hide. <laughs> uh, I miss Strand and his one-liners. There still isn't a point to this show, and I don't care enough about the characters to worry about what will happen next. If we suddenly went off on a tangent arbitrarily followed the hotel guest survivors group, I don't think I would be that bothered and wouldn't miss our L.A. group. Uh, in fact, the bride's mother looked like she'd bring it. Team her up with Toby, and there we go. Yeah. I agree. I liked her. She's I mean, she's an actress. She's been in. I don't. I didn't look up her name, but she's been in like everything. Every TV show you can imagine, she's been in. I've seen her. Yeah, definitely cool. Belinda Ake, three out of five this week. Better than the last two. Okay. Jimmy Tucker, three and a half mothers of the bride out of five. This was another good episode. Didn't mind Chris in this episode. Uh, he's kind of like Shane, just without the Bernthal acting chops. <laughs> uh, Travis might be in trouble. Sarah and Howard, 3.5 out of 5. A whole lot tighter episode, though I found the Chris stuff tedious. I'm glad they forced his hand. I can't imagine Travis will continue trying to save Chris after the murder of the farmer. And if he does, he is truly delusional. I really enjoyed the wedding background and the adventures of Alicia. I like that, the adventures of Alicia. I wish they had spent more time on her. <clears throat> and where the hell is Ophelia? You're right. Where is she? I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. So I'm going to read uh, David the III's comment, but out of protest, because I don't like the way he starts this one off. But he says, I really like this episode, so it gets four uneaten cakes out of five. <laughs> I don't want to think about one uneaten cake. I am definitely not wanting to think about four, David. He, he Come wrote on. that for you. That was for you, Richard. Yeah. That was for you, my man. <laughs> four uneaten cakes. So it ever be four. Anyway, uh, finally getting true storytelling this time. And although I have always disliked Maddie and Chris, I still dislike Maddie, but can see Chris coming around to the Negan side and being the badass he needs to be instead of a whining wuss. I totally agree. You totally, totally redeemed yourself with the ending of that uh, for the four uneaten cakes, David. <laughs> so, again, if you want to join the fun, every week we do this with Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. Just go to Facebook at the top. Just type in The Walking Dead TV podcast. Hit search with the magnifying glass, and you will see us pop right up. we got about, like I said, 790 members strong. Hit join group, and you can leave your Toby ratings, which we'll read on the show um, every week. So check it out. If you don't want to leave it, that's fine, too. But you can see what other people are writing. We have a very active group. A lot of them post pictures and different things related to the show. Uh, very cool. No trolls. Uh, very spoiler-free. So it's just a very, very fun group to be a part of. And um, and you guys are great. And it makes the show that much better by participating. So check it out. So 
Sometimes I'll troll on there, but it's all in fun. A little bit. You troll yourself more than anything. I think you'll just. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, any further final comments on Do Not Disturb? Mm, nope. No, I, I think we're, we're, we've covered it. Next week's episode is entitled Pablo and Jessica. And uh, it'll be airing on Sunday, September 11th. So we'll be looking forward to that one. Again, I saw a little snippet of the preview. It looked pretty good. It looked looked pretty, you know, a little action there. Like I said, some some blood and guts flying around, so I'm always down for that. And uh, we'll see where it takes us. Yep. So uh, when we're not talking The Walking Dead, Richard, where can our listeners listen to you talking about other stuff? Uh, DC TV podcast on HHWLOD and Taylor Network, a podcast. Um, you can, uh, follow me on Twitter at ChubToad01. I'm on Instagram at ChubToad01. You can email me, ChubToad01 at gmail.com. Yes, all the hate mail will go to the Yahoo account, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, just make, making that clear. <laughs> if you want to listen to me, I am uh, the host of the Auto Chat Show. Uh, me and my co-host, Teddy, review new cars so you don't have to. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Even if you're not a car nut or a gearhead or a motorhead or whatever you want to call yourself, we actually have a lot of fun talking about cars, cars and pop culture, um, You know, different trends we see out there, and we do full new car reviews as well. Uh, do so- you? Yeah. Do you do you guys have a website or a Facebook page and all Yes, that we do. It's Facebook.com forward slash auto chat show and you can go to autochatshow.com for all of our previous episodes listed right there. Okay. We're also on Twitter and the Instagrams and the Periscopes at Auto Chat Show. So you can just do a search for that. And um it's it's a lot of fun. Like I said, check us out. Because I don't know if you have it up on your Facebook or any of that stuff, but if if you guys check out his video of his kit car, <laughs> it is awesome. You know, I I do own a Knight Rider replica car uh, kit, and it is uh, it's one of my favorite cars. I own several I, cars, and it's one of my definitely most favorite one to take out. Yeah, I'm more impressed of the dash inside than I am the whole car. Everything it's works. So awesome. Uh, everything works. Everything beeps. I put all the lights, the LEDs. I mean, hours of wiring and soldering, and it's 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 taken years, honestly, to produce this car. But it's been such a labor of love. I'm a huge fan of the show Night Rider. I love the '80s and that time, and I'm also a car nut, so. It just made sense for me to build kit, and, and I tell you, I get so many thumbs up, and people almost drive off the road when they see this car, and they they'll roll the window down and they give me the thumbs up, like "All right, man," you know, like I'm out to, you know, solve crimes or whatever. I'm on, you know, out there doing my thing, and uh, it is just so much fun, actually. And kit's been laid up a little bit this month, this 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 year. Um, I've done some body work to it. I've actually got a new hood. I replaced the hood, and I got a new bumper. So I've been actually improving kit a little bit, getting it looking even better. And uh, yeah, so it's been it. I've been very busy this, this this year with work, so it's been a little tough to put time into kit. So he's been a little bit laid up, and uh, I will have him out though by the end of the fall. I'll definitely have him out before the snow comes, and uh, and I'll take him out for a few rides. So. I'll take some videos and post it up there. But listen, you're welcome to come. Anytime you're in New Jersey, uh, Richard, just come on down. I'll give you a ride in Kit anytime. Or Kit will give you a ride, I should say. That that makes it almost worth coming to New Jersey. <laughs> almost. Almost. Because who wants to come to New Jersey, right? It's like, come on. Well, throw it. Make it a make it a drive to uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. Yeah, he's in Red off. Bank. He's, he's about to, I live only about 15 minutes from where, where that oh, is. Okay. So, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I can definitely close, take it down. How close is that to Hoboken? 
All right, Hoboken is more North Jersey, so between Hoboken and 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 the Secret Stash is about maybe like a fifty minute drive. Because because throw in a drive to Carlos's Bakery too, so I can get some of them cannolis. We can do that. We can go to the Cake Boss. But the funny thing is, then, he, then he's opened up come to New Jersey. <laughs> it's funny he's opened them up all over though. It's like he's not even. Oh, just I know. Oh, okay, my, yeah, uh, right, right. My sister and mom uh, were at the opening in Dallas or Fort Worth or wherever it is a couple months ago. And just <laughs> going on about I, now, I've been to that one in Hoboken before. You have okay, uh, yeah. Those cannolis are. Let me just tell you. Let's let's start a cannoli podcast. We can certainly do a cannoli podcast. You do chocolate the ones or the regular show and take the cannoli cast. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. A little Godfather reference there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh yeah. wait, we need to finish the show. So but we can. Yeah. We can just keep going if you want. That's fine with me. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I know. I got to get some beauty sleep. You this, do that, and I'm actually. Well, we do naturally. Well, we do have coming up the next Star Trek podcast too, and you and I are both doing that one with Daryl Taylor and whoever else wants to join. Uh, that'll be on Star Trek Voyager coming up probably the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that on the yeah, HHWLOD Master I'm, Feed. On that one, but all right. Well, all right. Yeah, I know you like Voyager so much, but you can, you, we'll get you on. We'll get you on begrudgingly. You can, you can be like the naysayer. All right, on there. I can, I did finish my binge watch a couple of weeks ago of. Uh, um, Enterprise. Enterprise. So you're, you're, you're isn't I hate when that show ends, man. It, it needed a couple more seasons, right? That was just oh, it was so good. And you see where he walks out and he gives gives to Paul that little hug and uh... well, I didn't even realize it till I did this binge watch. Yeah, I must not have watched any or I don't I, I didn't remember any of that final season. So it was a good season. It was good. I mean, those little three story arc type of things, right? They did with the augments yeah. and they had the other ones, yeah. and yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean. The Klingon thing, and I liked it. Those augments yep. were badass. I mean, they were kicking, kicking butt, man. Those guys were. Well, right around the middle of the last decade is when you saw a lot of television turning into that more serialized. I mean, it's always been a serial format, but you know what I'm saying of of long season long or half season long story arcs right. and, and you know all that kind of stuff and and you actually see that evolution binge watching enterprise because it was on during that time and, and and now look where we are 10 years later look, look yep. we're talking about the show which is completely serialized i mean there's not one self-contained episode of the walking dead pretty much or fear of the walking right. dead or any of these shows right. that we talk about i mean they're all serialized now it's amazing yep yeah yep so thanks for listening to us, folks, and uh, we'll be back full strength uh, next week to discuss the next episode. And until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, <laughs> remember, always eat the cake before you yes. leave the wedding. Yes. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. <laughs> Take care, folks.
Nice day to start again. 